Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are diving into all things long distance with Hannah Fruin, aka Healing with Han, who is another relationship anxiety coach who not only focuses on long distance, but also anxious attachment in her work. And I'm so excited to be having this conversation with her because she has been in long distance relationship for a long time and has really learned so much about how to show up in a long distance relationship from a much more healthy and empowering place after going through a lot of relationship anxiety on her own. And I myself went through long distance or what we call an episode medium distance of about two hours from Nate for multiple years. And so I have my own insights to share in this episode, but I know so many people who are in long distance relationship can also feel like it's a much more challenging experience because of the anxiety that can come about in these types of relationships. So if that's you, please know that you're not alone. I'm excited for you to hear this episode and let's dive in. Hey, Hannah, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am too. We just had such a juicy conversation on your podcast yesterday and I'm just like, ready for more, uh, ready for people to hear that one and also this one too. And I've just been wanting to hear more about your story because I know we have a lot of synchronicities, but I also know that you have so many nuances to your story that are different as we all do. So can you start off by sharing a little bit more about like how you and your partner met and a little bit more about how your relationship evolved? Because we're going to talk about long distance today and I know some component of your relationship has been time away. So how did that all come to be? Yeah. So it's actually been long distance the entire time and I'm still in long distance. Okay. So I'll start from the beginning and try to kind of sum it up in a quick little package for you. So I was in high school actually when I met my partner and I was in grade 12, 18 years old. And I had just gone over to the island. If you're familiar with BC. I was in Victoria, BC, just visiting my cousins. Okay. And we were just being silly and we all downloaded Tinder as a joke. And I just happened to swipe on Alex pretty much right away. And he was the first person I talked to. And it sort of became not a joke because I couldn't stop talking to him. And it just it felt meant to be because if I hadn't have gone on that trip to meet my cousins, I wouldn't have met Alex. I was only there for like 24 hours. And he happened to be in Victoria too, training because he's a soccer player. So we really hit it off. But then the next day I went back to where I'm from, which is the Vancouver area, like the mainland of this part of the world. And essentially, I didn't get to meet him for a year. We, we spoke online for a year. 
um, before we saw each other in person. And it was this really weird situation because I was starting university and he was a soccer player and had to go play in Europe, in Germany. And that entire year, it was kind of like going back and forth deciding like, do I want to keep talking to this person or is this just a waste of my time? But Mm. something was holding me there. And then he ended up um, being home in Toronto for Christmas or for the holidays. And I was going on a trip to Europe with my best friend after I finished my first year in college. And so I stopped there on the way to Europe to meet him for the first time with my friend. So it was kind of awkward and weird. I spent two days with him and my friend and (laughs) things were okay, but we definitely didn't hit it off right away. And that was kind of where I think the first doubt started coming in of like, I thought that this would be love at first sight, or I thought that like, if it was meant to be, I would feel a certain way, but I didn't. Mm. And part of that was because of fear. Part of that was because my friend was there. And then in the next six months, he ended up coming back to Victoria. And so we spent a whole year doing sort of medium long distance where it was a two hour ferry ride to go see him. And I think that's when my relationship anxiety started because it was always in my head, like he needs to come see me a certain amount of time, or it means that he doesn't love me enough or he doesn't care Mm -hmm. enough. But at the same time, I was also in my head about, do I like this person enough to be in long distance with them? Mm -hmm. I really think long distance was that catalyst of my anxiety because it, it gives you this feeling of like, I need to make a decision of if this distance is worth it or not Mm. and it's it kind of feels like a commitment a bigger commitment than just dating somebody and figuring it out because it's hard so anyways my story is a little crazy and long we kind of hit rock bottom during the pandemic similar to what you described on my podcast where I was like okay I can't see him at all because of covid And he went to Germany. I'm still in Canada. I have no idea when I'm going to see this person or when I'm going to be with him or what our future is going to look like, like zero certainty. And all I'm seeing around me is people saying, if you're doing long distance, you have to be so sure about this person and you have to know the end date of when you're going to be together and like all of these things. And you should be talking this much on the phone and it should be supernatural and all of these rules. So Yeah, basically for the entire pandemic, it was me in my head freaking out thinking, should I stay with him or should I go? Am I wasting my time? But then freaking out at even the thought of losing him because at the same time, I was afraid of loss. So Mm. that's kind of where where, um, my story left off. And then I found out it was relationship anxiety. I learned about breath work, which is what really tipped me over the edge and helped me to figure out, okay, this isn't just about my partner. There's something deeper going on here. Mm. And yeah, I was able to heal my relationship anxiety from the root. So now I feel so much more confident. My partner and I are still in long distance. It's a little bit less extreme because he's in Canada, but it's still a five hour flight Mm. and everything just seems to be coming together. And I'm at a place where I actually am okay with the long distance. I don't like it and it's difficult and hard, Mm -hmm. but I'm no longer in that back and forth trying to decide. And I just feel so much better. So yeah, I'm I'm passionate about helping people who are in long distance and telling them it doesn't have to be that hard. 
and you don't have to feel a hundred percent certain about this person in order to continue forward with them. Mm, yeah. So much juiciness in there. How long was the traveling where he was in Germany and you were in Canada? That was from 2020 to 2022. So I think it was okay. about two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other thing because I ended up going there and visiting him for like one to two months at a time. And then I would come back because with the rules there, you're only allowed to stay in Europe. I'm sure, you know, for three months at a time, and then you have to come home for three months. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly going back and forth in this tiny town where nobody speaks English. I was alone with my thoughts. He was going through a hard time with his career where he was a construction worker all day long. Um, and then he would go to practice after. So he was exhausted and defeated. And it was just like a crazy time in my life. But mm, yeah. 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 Cause I can imagine, I mean, Nate and I, so we did, I guess the medium long distance that maybe you referred to of two and a half, almost three, maybe even more than three math is hard. Honestly, <laughs> like once you get past <laughs> like a certain amount of years, you're just like, I don't remember anymore, but we did a good amount of medium distance of two hours. And that was just challenging enough where it's like, all right, you have to plan the time together. You don't normally just have a spontaneous get together, right? Like sometimes he would just be like, I'm coming up this weekend and it would be great, but not normally spontaneous, but I've never done different time zone and, you know, eight to maybe 10 hour flight away. So what were some of the things during that time period that felt like, like, how was your mental narrative at that time? Was that when you started questioning, is this all worth it? Cause it's a lot of work or was it questioning if it was worth it? Like throughout even being closer together, only a couple hours away. Yeah. The, the entire time I was questioning if it was worth it, to be honest, yeah. I just remember thinking I'm giving up so much for him and I'm sacrificing so much and it's all about him and it's all about his career and I'm not a priority and like I'm, my parents would always say, you're wasting this time of your life. This is the time of our lives that we had the most fun together and we did all of these things and you're missing out on so much because of him. Like, are you sure this is worth it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a lot of going back and forth and telling him, I can't do this anymore. Like this is way too hard, even without relationship anxiety. And yeah, it was just, just a lot of questioning is this pain worth it? And is he worth it? I think my mind would definitely go into his flaws and like, is he a good enough partner for what I'm going through right now? Because it's just this big fear of like, am I wasting these years of my life in long distance with somebody who's not the one, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I can imagine, I didn't know this about your story that you had your parents kind of like in your ear, probably out of love, of course, mm-hmm. you know, sharing their experiences and maybe their hopes or wishes for what you would be doing with your time at this age. But that would be really hard because it's people obviously that you love and care about and respect, I'm sure. But then you also are trying to make your own opinion. So how did you sift through and like, you know, build some of the self-trust that led you to be like, no, this is something that is coming from me, not needing to listen to your parents to say that you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, it was hard. It was like constant, especially because when I was having such a hard time with it, 
I needed support. Like the way that I get support from people for myself is through other people and being around people I care about and talking it out. So that's why I was so passionate about creating a community of all things, because I had no one to talk to. All of a sudden, it's like my mom or my dad, who I usually go to for everything, and they're my support system, are the people who are making it feel harder, not because they wanted to or because they didn't care about me, but because they saw me suffering. And of course, seeing your daughter suffering because of a guy, you think in your head automatically, it must be the wrong person, just kind of the way that we're conditioned in society. So I just remember I had a therapist and she was like, you have to stop talking to them about Alex and you need to set some boundaries and you need to stop going to them whenever you're feeling upset and whenever you're having these doubts because it just makes you feel worse every single time. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard, but I got to the point where I was like, she's right. I, I can't, I can't just bring it up to them at all. I need to have a different support network for this. So that's why it was so helpful to have a therapist that was neutral, where I would kind of like write down, I think I would write down everything that came to mind throughout the week. And instead of going to people around me, I would just save it for her. Mm. And Alex is wonderful too, with being so patient with me and talking everything out with me. So that really helped. But it did get to a point where it was too much for him because he was struggling too. And he was worried about his career and his future too. So yeah, I guess the main thing I would say is finding somebody who can be neutral, who understands relationship anxiety, mm -hmm. and then slowly learning that um, there is this inner guidance within you that it, you can follow it and you also don't have to be afraid of it. Because that was another thing is I was terrified of listening to myself because I thought my intuition was just telling me to leave my partner, but mm -hmm. I had to help wrong. Mm, yeah, so important. So you used a word mm -hmm. earlier that I thought was really interesting, sacrifice. Like, is this sacrifice worth it? And it was kind of like you then would like assess your partner and like, well, what about these qualities? And then am I then making a wrong choice? So it was kind of like this frame of fear and anxiety that was causing you to create the story or the meaning of your relationship that this, this is too hard. This is too much of a sacrifice. I don't know if it's worth it. And then somewhere along the line, gradually, of course, you began to get to a place where now you've acknowledged, I don't love long distance, but I also have figured out how to be in long distance in a much healthier way. And I'm sure your relationship is now healthier because of it, but also you have a healthier relationship with yourself. So how did you get there? Like without us taking another yeah. three hours, because I know my own story <laughs> is like, you know, it's like we can't possibly encapsulate it. But like, when did you have that aha where you were like, wait, I can actually start navigating some of this stuff. And I don't maybe need Alex to be the one to reassure me all the time. Or like, I can rely on some of my own tools and mm -hmm. move forward from this more confident place. What did that look like? Yeah, I like that you highlight the word sacrifice because it that's exactly how it felt. And I'm sure people listening can probably relate to this because it was so much pressure. It was like I was destroying every moment I had with him because of my fear. So like every phone call, I would be analyzing what he's doing. Is he saying he loves me? Is he is this is he good enough? And that destroys a connection. And every visit had so much pressure to figure out, is this the right guy for me? 
I need to figure it out within one week and, and analyze him that like, of course, my walls were up. So I think that aha moment really came once I was at rock bottom with doing that for so many years. And I remember I was sitting actually in this very room and I called Alex and he was at a point where he was kind of low on himself too. He's struggling with his dream and he's heard no so many times. And I just said to him, like, I need to know what's going to happen. I can't keep doing this. It's too much unknown. Like, this is way too hard. Like, it's your fault. And I need you to tell me what's going to happen or I'm going to leave you. You know, I, I constantly say, I'm, I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to be able to do this if I'm not living with you within X amount of time, mm-hmm. giving these ultimatums. And it was different this time. Usually he would just be like, yes, like, let's talk about it and let's help you feel better. But this time he was like, I can't do this anymore. This is way too hard for me. And having this conversation every once a week is really hard on my mental health, but I'm trying hard to stay positive myself. Mm. And so in that moment, we hung up the phone and I thought we were going to break up. And my dad comes up into my room, this room, and he opens the door and he's like seeing me crying there, having a breakdown, which he'd seen so many times before. And he looked at me and he said, I I can't see you like this anymore. Like I want my daughter back. Mm -hmm. And that hit me so hard. And I realized it's true. I haven't been myself for the past two years. And it's not because of Alex. It's not because of the long distance. It's because of what I've been doing to myself Mm -hmm. and the way that I've been looking at all of this and the way that I've sort of placed myself as a victim to the long distance. I was so sick of feeling like a victim. So in that moment, I called Alex back and everything was fine. And I just I just made a promise to myself, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's clear that I want to stay because I've been here for so long. And if I'm doing this and if I'm here, I'm going to make the most out of it. So I transferred to like what I call more a creator mindset where I realize I get to be in control of how I feel for the most part. I get to choose my own beliefs about this. I get to enjoy my life and not put my life on hold because I kept saying, I'm putting my life on hold for you when really that was just me doing it. He wasn't putting my life on hold. It's my choice if I want to still show up for myself. So yeah, I, I started doing my morning reset, which is what I call my morning routine. That changed everything sticking to that. I started doing breath work consistently I started actually going out and meeting new people and I got a job just to get out of the house and I started building my own dream. And yeah, that was, that was sort of the breaking point for me. Yeah. So powerful, the creator mindset. And I haven't necessarily used that exact phrasing, but I share a lot of those same sentiments to you of how we look at something or the beliefs or, you know, the way that we're showing up. Of course, there's some things that happen that are out of our control, but we always can choose how we respond to those things. And so it sounds like Alex was like, hey, listen, I don't know when this uncertainty is going to stop. Like, I can't give you that answer. And even then you were still like, "Okay, well, I can 
live with this uncertainty more so now because I can choose not to be so worried about it and and not focusing on the sacrifices or putting your life on hold, but actually leaning into the uncertainty and then turning that energy back around towards yourself. Mm -hmm. I decided to think of it as like, this is happening for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I believe that I'm in long distance for a reason because I'm supposed to learn about myself or grow my independence and I'm not meant to be with him right now. Mm-hmm. And that was such a much more empowering way to look at it. And then I also stopped looking at it as he's doing this to me and it's because he doesn't love me. And I separated it where like, this has nothing to do with me. And we both want the same things. Cause I think another thing that was causing the, the pain was like blaming him and thinking that deep down we're in the long distance because he doesn't want to be with me. And that was just mm-hmm. a fear I had. Yeah, definitely. Even, yeah, I used to, I made a post about this recently, but like when I would do long distance, I felt like all of my energy was focused on the relationship when we were apart. Like, am I missing Mm -hmm. him enough? Is he missing me enough? Are we talking enough? Like, what's he up to? Like my energy was going towards the relationship at all times. And as you probably have experienced, sometimes when you're in long distance and you're just alone with your thoughts away from your partner, it's like you can just get into these loops for days and it's really hard when you're not there to directly connect and like actually Mm -hmm. interrupt it. So you have to take that ownership to interrupt it. But I didn't learn that for a long time. And now Nate's traveling for work. He's going back to Sweden, you know, probably four to five times a year for a couple weeks at a time. And I set the intention for myself over these next two weeks. Like I'm going to focus the energy on me. Of course, we're still going to talk. Of course, like I'll miss him and I'm sure he'll miss me, but my energy isn't all going to him in Sweden. It's going towards me and my routines, my friendships, my family, my health. It doesn't all have to be related to the relationship 24 seven. So I'm curious if you've had any similar aha moments or what you've shifted as far as like the creator mindset with regards to the time apart now. Yeah. I like how you bring that up because I've definitely had that where you're you're thinking about your relationship all of the time. And then what I actually noticed and what I've gotten a lot of questions about too, was when you stop thinking about your relationship all of the time and you notice like, wait a second, I'm, I'm not thinking about it 24 seven, like I used to, there's also fear there too. I call them worry withdrawals where you're like, wait a sec, this must mean that there's something wrong because I'm not thinking about him as much and now I'm feeling good. And it's like, there's fear when you're thinking about the relationship. And then there's fear when you start to get out of that cycle and you start to adjust to kind of like a normal dynamic. But yeah, the, the creator mindset thing was huge for me. And I even started to look at it as kind of like a self-development boot camp sort of thing where I'd be like, okay, I have one month on my own without Alex. What can I do here to focus on myself so that when I see him next, I'm so much further along and I'm almost like a better version of myself. So I started playing with it in that way and just seeing it as like, okay, this is actually kind of fun. I get to see it as this fun opportunity or I get to see it as this horrible thing where I'm just going to like sit around and think about him for a month I choose the opportunity piece. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would choose like different goals every single time I said goodbye to him on the plane. I would write out like 
these are my intentions for this next time apart. And I would, you know, reflect on our visit. And over time, it just got so much more fun. And it became sort of like this game that I have with myself. Yeah, I, I think that's a really cool way to not only take ownership of the time apart, but then have something exciting to look forward to because you're already excited, you know, about the next time you're going to see him. But then now it's not just again about the relationship. It's about how you're this new version of yourself. Um, so that's a really powerful thing. And the worry withdrawals, that's such a cute phrase because I feel like it's going to stick yeah. and click with people. So I'm glad you brought that in even though it's not just related to long distance. So I feel like we could go on a, a whole um, conversation about that. Talk to me a little bit more about what you do or what you're telling your clients to do in your community. Like what do people do listening to when they notice that they're having those worry withdrawals? Like, wait, I'm actually starting to feel like I don't have to think about my relationship all the time. And I'm in a better headspace and the anxiety isn't coming up as often. How do you help people trust that process instead of going back to what's comfortable and what's familiar, which is the anxiety cycle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I did get stuck in that cycle a few times where I was like, my gosh, there's something wrong. Cause I'm not thinking about it. And then I'd be back in the cycle. Mm -hmm. So what I usually say is, first of all, the reason why you're having those worry withdrawals is because that part of you that's been trying to keep you safe has been relaxing. It's actually a really good sign that you're starting to feel safe within the relationship. And then that part of you kind of doesn't want to give up that job. And it's like, wait a second, this is dangerous. Not thinking about my relationship is dangerous because it means something bad is going to happen. So even just knowing that has really helped to be like, okay, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It doesn't mean that I don't love my partner or that he's not right for me or that something bad is going to happen. It just means there's a part of me who feels like it needs to keep me safe right now. And it's so used to that. And I also like to tell people, you know, worry, it can be an addiction. Like you've gotten so used to thinking about this thing 24 seven is a major habit to break. And so it's normal to kind of go back and forth a little bit when you're in this process. But if you are in a spot where you're having those worry withdrawals and you don't know what to do, I would say, remind yourself of those truths. And then I would bring in a somatic practice. Like what I really love is closing your eyes, putting your hand over the spot in your body that's feeling really anxious. For me, it's always right here in my solar plexus, mm -hmm. which you're listening it's right above your belly button kind of area mm -hmm. and just breathe into that spot and close your eyes and be with the emotion and don't necessarily try to get rid of the emotion you accept it and then you connect with it in a way that you're kind of imagining yourself calming that part of you down and then you just have to trust that the more that you do this work it's going to feel um, more freeing and you're going to have less worries, but that's normal. Like that's what it's like being in a normal relationship. You're not thinking about your partner 24 seven and it actually gets to be a, a good thing. Yeah. It's so ironic. And I've been here too. So I'm just like, it's almost like I'm chuckling at my old anxious, worrying part that really wanted to protect me. But it's when you 
when you kind of hear yourself say it, like if anyone's listening and you're just like hearing yourself, it's like, I want to stop being anxious. But then when I'm not anxious anymore, I'm anxious. It's like, we can almost laugh at that from a place of like genuine, just love of like, that doesn't actually work because then you're not going to reduce the anxiety. If you're then anxious about not being anxious, it's like, eventually we have to give that part of ourselves the permission. Like it's okay to feel safe. It's okay that not every single thought needs to be focused on my relationship. It's okay to have energy back in my day and my life to be focused on other things. That's the goal that most people I think listening have, but then we almost block ourselves when it comes up and we're actually starting to get there by worrying about it more. So I, again, I don't mean that in like a, a jab at anybody. It's like, I have been there so many times but when you just hear it, it's like, wait, mm-hmm. that's not humor really helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost think of it as like a funny little guy, like a cartoon character, like, wait a second, like we haven't thought about this in a while. Like we need to we need to bring this back up or something's gonna happen. Come on. Like it's trying to really manage and you can be like, it's okay. I get it. I'm here. I know you're scared and and we're gonna get through it. And then just knowing like when you stop focusing on the relationship so much it's actually going to help your relationship because you're going to be in a better mood. And when you actually do have a phone call with your long distance partner, you're going to have stuff to talk about. You're not just going to be talking about relationship problems the entire time. That was another big thing. That was hard for me. Yeah. So you felt at one point there was a time when you were kind of just always talking about challenges. I think I've seen in one of your TikToks, you said like, if you're always talking about how much you miss your partner people might think that is actually like a good thing because it shows how much you care, but always hearing that you miss them so much is maybe not as helpful as someone might think it is. Talk to me a little bit more about what you meant by that or like what the video message was about. Yeah. So there was a place probably for like most of my relationship, honestly, like 80% where every single conversation we had right away, I'd just be like, I miss you so much. I hate this. I don't like long distance. And then because of that pressure that I talked about earlier, all I'd want to talk about was a relationship and a relationship problems and what he's doing wrong and how I'm feeling. And I didn't realize at the time that of course I wasn't feeling connected to him because we weren't having moments of connection where we're open hearted and we're connecting over just like a neutral topic and we're laughing together and it's more of that playful energy it was always what are we doing wrong like we I miss you this is terrible like just this really icky energy so then my partner he is more on the avoidance side and he would stop wanting to call me as often I noticed him calling me less and less and -hmm. it was because those calls were making him feel bad like he he was procrastinating calling me because he didn't want to just think about how much he misses me and have to feel those emotions, which makes sense. And so I had to really get real with myself and be like, okay, I am not helping the relationship by talking about it on the phone with him all the time. And also it's going to be really hard to have normal conversations if I'm not filling up my own life with different things to talk about. So actually when I started going to work. I actually got a job at Sephora just to get out of the house after the pandemic because I've been so like in my head at home every day thinking about him all of the time. I noticed like, wow, I I feel so much 
later on the phone with him and I actually have things to t discuss and I, I feel like I don't have to constantly be telling him how hard this is and that really inspired him to want to talk to me more. I noticed him calling me more and more and I noticed that I didn't get as upset if we didn't talk within a certain amount of time and so it was just this kind of positive cycle once I stopped making every conversation so heavy. Yeah, it's a powerful example of how sometimes we unintentionally are not creating a safe space for mm -hmm. our partner. Like that example, exactly where if he's calling and it's only going to be like, this is so hard. I miss you so much. You know, of course, there's going to probably be less excitement than when you're feeling bubbly or after your work shift and you have some cool things to update him on. It's just a different energy. And a lot of my clients, they'll tell me something that their partner did and they're like, well, that's really bad. Right. And I, I kind of ask them, well, what did your behavior influence in that dynamic? Like if your partner didn't tell you something that you thought was important, why did they not feel like they could tell you that? And it's not like a blaming situation, but more so have they ever told you something like that in the past and you judged them or you criticized them or you freaked out, then maybe they learned that they can't bring stuff like that to the table without it being this huge ordeal. So those are just examples like from my own world, but then yours is perfect about how our behavior is equally contributing to the dynamic, not just our partner. Yeah. That's why I always say like, you don't have to change your partner and it's not about changing your partner. It's about focusing on you, but then a lot of the times you are inspiring different behavior within him as he become more secure. Because mm -hmm. yeah, when I think about it, I if I had someone calling me who and I was already feeling bad about myself and and worried about the future. And then they're calling me and telling me how horrible it is and that they can't do this anymore and how I'm doing a terrible job. Of course I wouldn't want to call them. I'd be I would avoid that like the plague. So yeah, it just makes so much sense. Totally. I want to expand on just like two quick pieces of long distance before I ask some of my final questions. So two key pieces I would think of long distance are like how you show up for yourself, but then also like how the dynamic works between the people in long distance. So let's start with like the dynamic first. I know people listening are probably like, what are the best tips for long distance? You've already shared some of them, which is like pouring into yourself or not feeling like you're bringing, you know, negative energy to every single call. It's not that you have to be only positive, but those were a couple of things, but are there any other more practical things that you found have been helpful as you and your partner have been long distance. I feel like you're a pro at it now. So you must have a few things. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The pouring into your own cup thing. Like the, the main thing that really got me out of that deep rut was doing that morning reset practice, which was breath work and meditation every day, because it was like, I would wake up in the morning and instead of going on my phone and checking if he's texted right away, I wouldn't go on my phone at all. And I would take that space for me. Mm -hmm. And because I had so many negative beliefs going and negative thoughts from the years of being in long distance and hating it, it's like those moments of being in meditation reset my brain. So slowly over time, it was like they became less and less ingrained in me and I was able to create space for new thoughts and new ways of looking at things. 
And so that was crucial. And then another thing would be just working on a deeper wounds. I know this, this is not really like tips and tricks. It's more like deeper things, but there were deeper things that I had within me that were making it impossible to feel okay in long distance. Yeah. One of them being this deeper fear of him not wanting to be around me. I had so many dreams like every night about me being with him in person, but he constantly wanted to get away from me in these dreams. It wasn't like it didn't happen in person at all, but he'd be like, I've got to go spend time with my friends. I'm not hanging out with you right now. And so I realized I had this fear that he doesn't want to be around me and it has nothing to do with long distance. It's just like I have carried that from my past into this relationship. And so it's making the long distance unbearable. So the way that I was able to work on that was through breath work. That was transformative for me. And then, yeah, just taking that time every single morning to build these new beliefs and these new identities that he does love me. He does want to be around me. And this long distance has nothing to do with our connection or how well we get along or how much we care about each other. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. And I actually love how we ended up just jumping straight into the self part because that ripples out into the relationship. So it's perfect. As far as breath work, I've dabbled in it and I've kind of done it on and off for a few years too and different resources, I feel like. So I'm just curious, did you learn a certain technique or is there like a certain practice that you recommend for people or is it something that's kind of evolved with your practice over time? Yeah. So basically I was in Germany when I first started it and it was during that time during the pandemic when it was really difficult. I'm in this small apartment by myself all day long worrying and I was in this manifestation program where they had breathwork journeys once every two weeks so I remember sitting down, you lay on the ground and you do this specific breathing technique for half an hour. And then there's like kind of 20 minute meditation after. And I was shocked. Like, I think people who haven't tried like a longer breathwork journey before don't understand what it's like. And it was like, I completely let go of all of my stress and anxiety. And I tuned into my higher self. And I just felt like deeply that I was held and that I was being guided and that everything was going to work out for me. And I, it was crazy. Like I'd been taken from being so anxious to feeling so overjoyed within like one hour. And I just fell in love with it. And then, then after that, every single time I would feel anxious, I would go to that practice when I was in Germany, like the, the recordings of what I had already done. And so I actually ended up becoming facilitated in that style of breath work. It took me an entire year, but it was an amazing journey of doing that breath work constantly. And that's really what tipped over my healing journey and was like the tipping point and what really helped me the most. And so, yeah, I, I highly recommend it if anyone hasn't tried it before. And if you're thinking about it, I would say that maybe it would be best to start like a five minute practice. You can just find them on YouTube or on Insight Timer, the app or something like that, just to get comfortable with it, see if it's your thing. And then if you want to do a longer journey, I usually recommend either doing it one-on-one -on -one or like with some sort of facilitator, not just laying in your room by yourself. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I've done a couple longer sessions, but I'm still looking to like deepen it. And it's such a powerful tool. And it's crazy how you can like release so much energy as well when you're doing breath work. Like there was, there was one, um, like facilitator group called like awaken breath, like O W A K E N. I don't know. That's where I got facilitated. Oh, wait. Oh my gosh. That's such a synchronicity. Cause I've been like looking into potentially doing that at some point in the future, but one of their things on their app and it's a seven day free trial for anyone that wants to check it out. They have this one called meeting uncomfortable emotions in their app. And I just remember like there were some days where I just felt so like everything was bunched up inside, like a swirling dark energy of just like heaviness in my chest and stomach and all the things. And when I did that, and I think that one's only actually 25 minutes. So it's probably not as long as some of the ones that you've done, but there's a really long, there's a 60 minutes for the full breathing. And then 30 minutes of meditation after. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure there's so many. I'm sure there's even ones where you can do like many hours at a time that I would be like building up to for a while. But this one specifically, I felt was so helpful. And I've even used it like in the last couple of years when I've just been having like a really tough day of self-doubt, self-pressure, like all of this energy. And it helps me release so much. So that's really cool that that's actually the company that you got I guess the training through, cause I've had really good experiences with them as well. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. They are amazing. I went and um, met them in person back in April and I helped them facilitate in LA for this giant event of like 200 people doing breath work together. And it was like the most crazy experience of my life. Like think of so many people laying there processing their trauma and everyone's crying and like, some people are screaming and very intense, but it's it's such transformative work. And I love that you had that app. I've been using that app too. Amazing. Well, that's perfect because if anyone wants to check it out, they do have that seven day free trial, which I feel like they teach you like the basics and you could really like learn so much from the basics. But yeah, thank you for sharing more about that. I'm sure people would want to check more about that out. So before we get into the last couple of questions, do you have any final long distance related, I guess, like insights or anything that's on your heart that you want to just share about it? Yeah, I think really just limit the time that you are talking to your partner for one. That's something I would say is like, when you are constantly talking all day long and thinking that you have to be on the phone constantly, it's very hard to feel like you're living your life fully and then feel like you're having quality conversations. I always think like I'd rather have a quality conversation than quantity and just talking constantly 24 seven. That's really helped. And then a lot of people who are in long distance get a lot of like unsolicited advice or they read a lot of advice about long distance online. And -hmm. I would just say, make up your own rules. Like, for example, one of the pieces of advice that everyone says is you have to have an end date. You have to know when you're going to move in together and you have to have those details or it wasn't, it's not going to work. And we've never had that. And we've, we've been just fine. Or people say like, you have to call every single night or you have to talk this amount of time during the week, but you'll find what works for you. And it doesn't matter at all what other people are saying, unless the advice feels empowering and good. Yes. So important. I remember 
people always checking in with me, like, who do you think is going to move to what city or like all those questions. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel like that was such an important thing that I should know by now. And so then it felt really weird that we hadn't already been thinking about this. And mind you, this was probably only like after maybe nine months to a year of us being together, there was still so much to know and discover. So I think a lot of people just like share what they think is helpful, of course, but a lot of times it isn't helpful for the whole world to think in the same way. So it's a really good reminder just to tune in, like you said, to your own inner wisdom and not necessarily having to go by the book because the book is not going to apply to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So beautiful. Well, because this is the You Love and You Learn podcast, I ask all my guests a final question, which is what is one thing that you've learned about love that you would want to leave people with? Ooh, I love that question. I think the main thing I've learned about love is that it's not all of these different roles and expectations and things that we really place on it. It's not when your partner gets you flowers or it's not your partner complimenting you a certain amount of times or having this perfect dynamic and checking off all of these boxes. I feel like love is more of a felt feeling when you're able to get your heart open and you're just being really present with another person and you see them for who they are and there is that absence of fear and it's not something that you have to try to force to happen it's not something that you have to have right away but it's something that can be built as you learn to open your heart and be present with another human being and see them for who they are so yeah that's what I would probably say yeah, it's a great insight about like the open heartedness piece and about being present because anytime you think you're present, but then you have an anxious thought popping up of like, do they look good enough right now? Or like, am I in love right now? Or like, am I feeling the right feelings? Are they feeling the right feelings? Then you're not being present and your heart's closed. Yeah, exactly. Your heart's closed and you're not present. So it's a reminder that like when you're truly present, when you're truly open hearted, and it might take a lot of energy to like break down those walls to get there. But when you are in that more clear, open space, that's more of the loving energy versus all of the, like you said, those, those rules, or it has to feel this way. It has to look this way to be good. Yeah, exactly. Mm, great. Well, I'm sure people are going to want to check more of your workout and get into your world. So how can they stay in touch with you and what do you want to share more about right now that you're working on? Yeah, um, I have Instagram and TikTok that are both under the exact same username. It's healing with Han, H-A-N, and then two underscores. And then usually a great place to start is just my free masterclass, which goes over my framework for how I was able to heal my relationship anxiety and what really helped me. So that is in the link in my bio of either of those platforms. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I've had fun doing a podcast swap and I'm excited for everyone to hear both episodes. So thank you so yes, much for your too. time. Thank you so much. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, 
the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.